call it a vision. He said, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no one is going to attack you or harm you because I have many people in this city. And so for the title for today, for the short lesson, it's called Don't Be Afraid. Don't be afraid. And so what I want to do, um, there's a picture already up front. You guys saw my family. But I'm going to show you another picture of my family, my extended family. And we have a team mascot up here. Um, this is my C4 family. This is who we are. My Sadie, she's my golden retriever. That's, that's my man's best friend. But outside of my wife. And this is just what our church C4 looks like. I'm going to talk about them a little bit later on. But. Statistics shows that if, if I show you a picture that you guys are more prompt to listen to me, so we'll find out <laughs> if that's true or not. I don't know, but uh, hey, that's what Google says, so you have to trust what Google says. But I want to do to actually give you some backdrop about where we're at in chapter 18 of the book of Acts. And so you guys have been in this amazing study for the past month, and just to kind of just fast track you today, chapter 7 talks about the first martyr of Christianity. Chapter 9, this is um, Paul's experience as he's walking to Damascus. This is what we believe Paul's um, conversion was. Chapter 12 highlights another martyr by James and Peter who was jailed. But then also chapter 14, there's growth and persecution throughout the churches. But one thing that really amazed me was out of chapter 14, Paul writes this. He says, he, he encourages the disciples by telling them to continue in the faith. It says that it is necessary to go through hardships to enter the kingdom of God. I said, wow. And so we look at chapter 14 where Apostle Paul is talking about we must continue in hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And then chapter 18, he talks about God told him, don't be afraid. And so I'm believing here that at some point along his journey, Paul started doubting start having questions about the very thing that God has called him to do. Because just four chapters earlier, he was encouraging the disciples not to be afraid, but to be encouraged. But God himself had to encourage Apostle Paul. And so our lesson for today is don't be afraid. See, oftentimes we know the enemy comes in and says that you can't do something, but God says you can. God wants to do a miracle through you. Sometimes... God is trying to grow and develop something in you to make sure that you reach that destination. You have to grow and develop. Oftentimes, God is trying to grow our character. Oftentimes, God is trying to grow in us humility or love. See, you can't Instagram integrity. See, you can't Facebook faith. You can't Snapchat sanctification. And so what God is trying to do is grow in us these these characteristics. You know, on our way up here, we saw a couple of detours. And oftentimes, you know, when we're trying to get somewhere, especially if you're running late, because, you know, if, if, if it's me, my wife knows I hate being late to certain things. And then we all saw a detour sign. But oftentimes, we have to have a detour so that way the road that we're traveling or used to traveling on, God can repair it. So God causes detours in our lives. So there's to be some construction taking place, some development taking place within you and I to make sure that we can reach our destination with the things God has equipped us with. But he says, don't be afraid. 
And so my question for you today is, will you make my agenda, which is God's agenda, your agenda? This is what God is asking. Will you make my agenda your agenda? See, oftentimes we're afraid to get closer to God in fear of what he may ask of us. But he's asking, will you begin to make my agenda your agenda? See, sometimes fears derive from our environment. You know, I grew up in the great state of Texas as a teenager. Um, what? Oh. Man, what about that Texas barbecue? Isn't it just a blessing? You North Carolinians don't know anything about barbecue tea. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, okay. Let's keep it holy in here, amen? Oh my God. Let's keep moving. Yeah, yeah. All right. Grace and mercy, grace and mercy, grace and mercy. See, sometimes. We derive our fear based on our environment. See, our perception versus our purpose. Sometimes it's our fear versus our faith. Sometimes we continue in our doubt versus our destiny. So we begin to make my agenda your agenda. So I'm going to really, I'm going to give a backdrop in Mark chapter 5 verses 21. And this is where Jesus is talking to a crowd of people. And he's actually healing in a response of faith. This is Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him at the shore. Then a leader of the synagogue says, whose name was Jairus arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell to his feet pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. And Jesus went with them. So let me paint this picture. Here you have Jairus pleading, begging Jesus to come to his aid. See, his baby girl is 12 years old, roughly take a give, or give or take a couple of years is on the brink of death. And as a parent, I know what that feels like. I understand when you believe, when you have something so precious as a son or a daughter, and you believe that they're at a point where they're about to die, you would do anything to try to save their lives. So Jairus walked up to Jesus and began to plead with him. He begged to him, come with me so you can save my daughter. See, this is only something that Jesus can do. No one else can heal his daughter. See, as a parent, we feel helpless. And the Bible says that Jesus went with him. So let me, let, me, let me put it like this. Anybody used to play Nintendo back in the day? <laughs> this is the true gaming system. I think they had like an eight-bit graphic on there, so the kids don't know what we dealt with back in this generation. <laughs> you guys remember the, the secret code to, um, I think it was Mario Brothers, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, B, A, select, start? Contra. Contra. You guys remember that? You remember, if you did that secret code, what would happen? You have, it, like, countless number of lives. Like, you would get, like, 100-plus lives. So you had to know the secret code to get to a point in this gaming system to get unlimited lives. 
And you know, back then, you know, we only had two buttons and a slick and a start. We didn't have the toggle buttons and all the, I can't play the game system today. I'll just be pressing all these different type of buttons. So those that don't know about the Nintendo, let me just go back a couple generations and point this out to you right here. Yeah. I'm looking out in the crowd, I'm not going to point them out, but we have some Atari generation sitting in the audience right now. <laughs> Matt's back there. You only had a joystick. <laughs> you only had a joystick and one button. You may have had a one-bit graphic. I mean, it, just, it, was, it was horrible. But the point is this. What we used to do is we used to read books to, to learn and understand how we can get unlimited lives. Now the kids, they go to YouTube and learn the ins and outs of how to get Xbox and PlayStation, PS4. And so I was watching a, a, a teenager a, a, about a couple of months ago playing Fortnite and watching YouTube. Like literally, he was sitting there like it was a TV show that he would sat there and watch Fortnite and just played the whole game through. I'm like, what's going on? He said, I was telling him, don't you, wouldn't you rather play the game versus watching it? So let me put this in context. Wouldn't you rather engage your faith rather than listening to someone else talk about their faith? So Jairus engaged into what Jesus was doing. The scripture says that he went with Jesus to go watch and heal his daughter. So we have to begin to put our faith in action. You have to begin to put your faith in action. One of my mentors told me this. He said, Ryan, if you preach from your pain, you would never lack material. He said, if you preach from your pain, you would never lack material. See, I understand about don't be afraid. I understand about walking out in faith. Let me give you a little bit about my story. I joined Christ Wesleyan Church about 10 years ago. Um, joined the church. I didn't know what a Wesleyan church was. I did the history. I met with the senior pastor at that particular time. Met with Jonathan Lewis. He told me specifically that they've been praying for an African-American family that have bridged the gap of the ministry that they were doing in the church job in the community. And so that was all we needed. I didn't care the theology was solid. I didn't care if we were singing hymns or Hillsong or Michael W. Smith or William McDowell. It didn't, it didn't matter because I would forego my preference to mobilize the gospel. That means that I don't care what I want. I care what the gospel needs and what God is calling us to do. And so over this past 10 years, God's been really working through our church, really begin to transform our church to be more multi-ethnic like it is today, more multi-generational. And sometimes you need an advocate to come in and assist you with things that you're unable to do by yourself. Amen? Called the Holy Spirit. And so if you were to walk into our church now, our church is mosaic. And then I'm, I'm thinking, you know, we're headed to another call, you know, the four-year call with our senior pastor. God said, Ryan, you're in transition. I go to Exponential two years ago and met Matt Smith and Matt Leroy, excuse me, and just wrecked my life. <laughs> he courted me and he propositioned I'm like man Matt I don't want to talk to you bro I'm like you know I'm trying to get my worship on I'm trying to network and connect but he said Ryan you know you know, I believe God is calling you to plant churches I'm like I've planted churches already you know I've been there done that I got a, a, a lunch box and a sticker that says I want it so but God knew that the prompting was there 
So he used Matt to position us to even consider what God was getting ready to do. So during this course, we plateaued at Christ Wesleyan Church. We plateaued where we were at. And I told my wife, you know, sweetheart, um, I think God is calling me to leave my career and help our church a little bit further along. So to understand that, my wife has been a homemaker for the past 17 years. I do sales and marketing for Hilton Marriott Wyndham Hotel, so I travel extensively. I left that career to help a church become more multi-ethnic. So I went from making six figures a year to making zero dollars a year. I volunteered in my, at my church for about seven months without pay. We didn't miss a beat. Actually, we got more out of debt than we were making six figures. I'm like, how in the world? That's just biblical. That's just God's math. God, you know, if you take a fish and some, and some pieces of bread, God, how can you help a family become more financially stable with no money, no income, than what I was doing making money? And so when we gave our heart to Christ and God began to really do some things through the ministry and help our church to be where God has called us to be, God said, I need you to go. I began to interview for other churches. I interviewed churches in Durham. I interviewed churches in D.C., South Carolina. I interviewed churches in, in uh, Michigan. God said, stop interviewing and go plant a church. So I understand when it says, don't be afraid, because right now, Christ Wesleyan Church, we are in a sweet spot. I mean, the things that we've been praying for, the things that we've been fasting for, the things that we've been working towards, we are living in today right now. I'm like, God, you're telling us to leave a church where we are getting to the point where we fasted and we prayed and we sacrificed to leave? Come on, God, you can't do this. <laughs> but we did. Sometimes when you take big leaps of faith, there can be a delay in the very thing that you're asking God to do. I mean, let me say that again. Sometimes when you take a big leap of faith, there can be a delay in the very thing that you're asking God to do. And what is that? It's all about God's timing, guys. You can't look at the natural for the supernatural. He said, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? He said, your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? That's when the voices of doubt begin to creep in. I believe Paul, when experiencing the voices of doubt, started to creep in in Acts chapter 18. Leave your marriage. Go plant a church. Go start a business. Go finish a degree. Go lose some weight. Doubt began to start creeping in the things that God is really telling you to do. But then somebody tells you, why bother the advocate? Why bother the teacher? I believe this. We need faith the most when fear is the loudest. We need faith the most when fear is the loudest. See, faith activates the unknown. The loudest voice that competes with our faith comes from within. We will talk ourselves out of what God has given us. We begin to talk ourselves what God has begun to ordain and govern for us. C4 is a church that God has called us to plant. Stands on four pillars, capture, connect, call, and commission. That's who we are. 
That's the foundation of what our church stands for. We want to capture the lost. We want to connect people with the gospel. We want to connect people with each other. We want to connect our lives to people may, who may not look like us, who may not talk like us, who may come back from a different socioeconomic background. That's what God has called us to do. But then he has told us, help them reach their calling in life and then commission them to go out. So we talk about multiplication. We as a Wesleyan, we have a, a mission through headquarters that says this. Our mission for the Wesleyan Church, disciples making disciples, until we have disciples making disciples, churches planting churches, until we have a transforming presence in every single zip code. That's multiplication. That's the desire of the Wesleyan Church. <coughs> Let me say this. <coughs> Jesus, the next story in Mark chapter 5 was this, was a young lady with the issue of blood. And ironically, you guys heard this story before, but ironically, she was dealing with the issue of blood for 12 years, the same age of the daughter of the young man who was 12 years old. So she pushed her way through the crowd. Now you guys know, I've seen some of you guys stand in line when somebody cut in front of you guys would just act a fool. <laughs> so you know exactly what I mean. So you mean to tell me this person who has an issue of the blood began to push her way forward so that way she can get a touch of the redeeming power of this man they call Jesus. So what happens? She asked him, do you believe? She said, I mean, the scripture tells us that her faith has made her whole, made her whole. But again, people are telling us not to bother the teacher. Why bother? Don't be afraid. Abraham, over 100 years old, God tells him that he's going to be a father of many nations. So well, guess what he does? He puts some Maxwell on, some, some Barry White. <laughs> you know, he began chasing his wife around the house, and they have a child. But then you have Joseph, who was enslaved for 13 years. He remembered the promise that God gave him. Then you have um, Moses, who was plagued with plagues over a period of time, but he remembered God telling him that he was going to lead a nation out of Egypt. Then you have David running for his life, but he was actually out in the field doing shepherding, and the shepherd as a young man goes out and be commissioned to become the next and one of the greatest kings that's known to the man in the Bible. Don't be afraid. I'm reminded by this guy named Larry Walters, and um, there's a picture coming up under me. He's he's a he went to Army Navy surplus store, and he strapped on a, a chair back in the late 70s, I believe. You know, like a lawn chair. He put together 75 weather balloons. Next thing you know, he took flight. <laughs> he started flying over L.A. International Airport, talking about there was a UFO. He got 16,000 feet in the air. A 737 saw him. He packed a lunch. This dude wanted to see if he can actually take flight, and he actually did. He had a BB gun where he shot out the weather balloons. What moron, I'm praying, excuse me. What moron would get a lawn chair, strap 75 balloons down it, and take flight? So when he landed, the journalist asked him three questions. Larry, was you scared? He says, yes. 
Larry, would you do it again? He said, no. <laughs> and the last question was, Larry, why did you do it? He said, I got tired of sitting around. <laughs> exactly. So many Christians, we just sit around. We don't mobilize our faith over fear. The Apostle Paul was plagued with this too in chapter 18. We go to church. We hear Jesus being preached. But many Christians are not just in the church. They're outside of the church. They're not prevailing against the gates of hell. We're just getting by. So my question you may be asking, why is there a need to plant another church? You, Matt talked about four churches being planted this year. Why is there a need? Let me tell you some stats. Between six and 10,000 churches in the U.S. Are, are dying each year. That means around 100, 200 churches are closing each week. That's a dim comparison to what the four churches Matt talked about over the summer today. Over the next seven years, 55,000 churches will close its doors. <clears throat> Weekly attendance dropped from 17% to 14%. 20% of churches are only growing. 1% of churches are only reaching the lost people. 95% comes through shuffling churches or church hopping. So you may ask again, why plant a church? The stats tells itself. The need is there. There are lost people out in the world that Apostle Paul is talking about that we need to go see. Being on a college campus, I'm sure many of us know, we have an opportunity when you take classes, you can either audit a course or you can take a course. And many of us know that the difference between auditing a class and taking a class for credit has two different standards to it. See, when you audit a class, that means you want the information, but you don't want the responsibility of the information. When you audit the class, that means you want to learn without the homework or the exam. When you audit the class, you're saying that you know you want the information, but you don't want to do the work that's necessary to apply it. See, believers, that works for colleges, but as Christians, that doesn't work for us. So you get inspired. You plan to do any of the work. You begin to go to the services, and you listen to the gospel being taught. But oftentimes, there's no application. See, Christ desired his children to be changed, to be transformed. No application of what you learned means no credit for what God is going to do. So I'm going to close with this. Isaiah 55 and 11 says this. So shall the words that be that goes out from my mouth that shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed from which it's seen it so what God is saying that the words that I say the things that I've actually put out in the atmosphere it will be accomplished and will not return to me void the last part of verse 10 of Acts chapter 18 says this for I am with you and no one's going to attack you or harm you because I have many people in this city. <laughs>
So when we say don't be afraid, we have an advocate, we have an ambassador that's with us. And the reason that he's with us, because there's a lost generation, there's lost people, there's lost families who needs the gospel. So yes, we will continue to plant churches. Yes, we will continue to multiply Christians. Yes, we will continue to mobilize believers to give of themselves, to give of their time, to give of them to do the work of the kingdom. And so that's my prayer for you today, that you guys don't be afraid, that you guys will live fear, faith over fear, that you guys begin to walk in your destiny, that you begin to walk in your purpose, so that way the world may know that we serve one true living king, and one great day he's going to return. And he can say, well done, my child. Pastor Matt, this is it for Salvation, and we're brought into this record.